You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast. We have a special edition to bring to you today. Uh, We are joined here in studio by a special guest, Dr. Tom Mormon, our chief scientist. We are also joined on the phone by a special guest out of Louisiana, Larry Reynolds, who is the Waterfowl Program Manager for Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. We're going to be talking with Larry today about the results from the aerial waterfowl survey that was flown in in that state last week. But before we get into that, we are recording this episode on November 11th on Veterans Day, so we want to take a moment to, to say a special thank you to all of our veterans, all of those who have, who have worn the, the military uniform and who have served our country, and also a thank you to those still wearing the uniform and doing what you do to keep us safe and enable us to enjoy the freedoms we do. So on this Veterans Day, we do say a very hearty thank you. So Larry, with that, I think what we want to do is, is talk about the survey that was completed last year, uh, last week. I th- I think uh, probably a bit of an introduction from you on what this survey entails, where it's conducted, would probably be a good way to start. So thanks for joining us, Larry. Oh, thanks for having me, Mike. Um, The aerial survey in Louisiana uh, along the coast, in the coastal zone uh, of the southern part of the state, has been going on since 1969. Uh, It involves a, a systematic random sample of 27 transects which is incredibly important for people to understand. These transects weren't placed based on any habitat quality or duck numbers. Uh, They are intended to be a random and representative sample of the habitats across the coastal zone of our state. And thus, by flying those same 27 transects the same way in September, November, December, and January of each year, Since 1969, we can compare uh, the habitat quality and the waterfowl uh, numbers and use of our habitat between months and between years. And so this particular survey was flown the week before we opened the duck season on November the 9th. Okay, and so I saw the report come out last week, and... I guess it. I guess what we'll do is just give you an opportunity to share some of the highlights of the survey. You do a fantastic job with the with the write up of summarizing the data, and you know, not only do you generate uh, estimates from from the survey of the of the number of ducks among these different regions that make up your your overall survey area, uh, you incorporate quite a bit of detail about uh, your, based on your observations of what you're seeing in terms of habitat. So. Let's start with duck numbers, if you will, and tell us, uh, share with us some of the highlights of what you saw in the survey last week. 
Well, the overall estimate for the entire coastal zone was slightly over 1 million birds, 1, 1, 42,000, uh, which is the third lowest on record since 1969. Now, it was much higher than last year's November survey, which was cut short by bad weather. Um, our survey is done in southwest Louisiana, southeast Louisiana, and then Catahoula Lake. We do a cruise survey of that important early season habitat. And taken together, those the, the estimates from those three regions make up the data stream um, that that is indicative of waterfowl abundance in Louisiana since 1969. So overall, the survey was was much lower than average. The long-term average is right at 2 million. So 1,042,000 um, is, is quite a bit below average. Um, that has kind of been the trend in the November survey since the mid nineties. We have been, we've been trending lower. Um, and the species composition because of all of the early cold weather, uh, in the, the Northern part of the country, you know, the, early blizzard in the Dakotas, we get kind of a strange migration signal from, from this particular survey with uh, pretty good numbers of scop and, and uh, ringneck ducks and canvasbacks, all three above their normal November average. Um, but, um, but most of the dabbling ducks, with the exception of model ducks um, and, uh, and blue-winged teal, which model ducks are resident and blue-winged teal are early migrant, um, all of the other dabbling ducks were quite a bit below um, their long-term November averages. So the, uh, the survey wasn't much to get excited about, um, and that, that is what it is. Um, there were a couple of areas. One of the things that I like to do is kind of keep track and, and relay my observations and the first one that's important to me and to other people that that send me emails when the survey is completed is is where did you see a lot of ducks? Because um, then someone can go out there and say, "Yep, I guess there really was a guy in a plane flying over this area and seeing a good bunch of ducks." And uh, we had we had a, a couple of good concentrations of gadwalls in southwest Louisiana on Rockefeller Refuge and southeast of uh, Calcasieu Lake in the marsh. And then uh, over in the southeast region, we didn't count a whole lot of ducks. There weren't any real big concentrations, but in the marsh north of, uh, of Point of Lahash along the Mississippi River, and then uh, um, north and east of Venice, um, also further further up the Mississippi River, we found pretty good concentrations of, of mostly teal. Um, when you have a lot of blue-winged teal still in your state, uh, it kind of means the, the migration is a little bit delayed. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Larry, I'm, I'm holding a, the 
report that you generated in my hand here, and I'm looking across some of the numbers, and Gadwall, as we might expect, led the way uh, when we're looking at species composition, and followed by blue-winged teal and shovelers, uh, then ringneck ducks. And one of the th- one observation that I'm making here, and I guess I'll say this just to help illustrate a point that you started off with, when you look at mallards in southeastern Louisiana and shovelers in southeast Louisiana, you actually have blank cells there, which would, which would suggest you know maybe there are no mallards or shovelers in southeast Louisiana. But I think what people that see this report have to remember is that that's just a reflection of, of, those, uh, of those survey transects and, and the fact that you did not observe any mallards or shovelers on the particular transects that were flown. That is not to suggest that without equivocation, there are no mallards and shovelers in southeast Louisiana. That's just you didn't see any on those particular transects. Is that that's accurate? That's not only accurate, that's critical to understanding the results. Um, I get calls almost every single time I release one of these aerial survey reports. And it's kind of interesting to be at my desk because this November was no different. Um, the first call I got was from a gentleman in Venice that said, well, I don't know where you saw a good bunch of birds east of Venice because we have no ducks here. And so, Mike, if you turn to the last page of the report, you see I provide a graph of where those transect lines are. And that way, everyone can see, oh, oh, so that transect line is over there. Maybe I don't know the birds that are over there. And on the flip side of that, I got a call from a gentleman in southwest Louisiana that runs a commercial operation saying, Larry, I don't know where you're flying, but we've got a lot more ducks than last year and a lot more ducks than I recall in the, in the recent past. And so I tell him the same thing. I said, here are the transect lines that I fly. And, it, and as if that wasn't enough validation of what we're doing, I got a call from a gentleman in southwest Louisiana and said, hey, um, I just wanted to let you know my son took a quick limit of gadwalls in that marsh where you said there's a, a high concentration of gadwalls. Yeah. So three completely different views of my survey result because of the issue of scale. And that is one of the most difficult things you and Dr. Mormon and I know as, as, as scientists, as trained biologists, that there's always the issue of scale. And this survey, this survey is designed to get an estimate of the entire coastal zone of, um, of the state of Louisiana. And it is not necessarily represented, representative of every smaller scale area um, in that surveyed area. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, why don't you add more transects? Why don't you move the transects to make it more representative? Well, and that's just simply because it costs a lot of money. It costs a lot of time to do this survey. And whenever you start, you can't, you can't just move the transects around to the places where you think there are ducks because then you vi- violate all assumptions of statistical validity. And that's really not what you want to be doing. And so, uh, folks just need to realize that it's it's not a census. There's no way you can count all the birds in in an area that large, and so these transects are in place. And you only counting off on each side of the plane was it an eighth of a mile off on each side of the transect? Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. We go we go uh, 200 meters off each side of the plane. 
Yeah. And so you're, you're, those, that's where you're counting birds. And that's going to be a similar approach that's used by a lot of the other states that are doing these transect-based surveys. A lot of the states used to do what they called cruise surveys where they would try to go to all the areas where they would see a lot of birds consistently and they would try to enumerate all of those birds. But that's just not, a, it's not practical and it's also not very statistically reliable. And so uh, Louisiana has been doing this survey for a number of years, as you've said, and you, you've produced quite a data set uh, from which to draw comparisons. Yes. So, Larry, Larry I got a uh, both, I guess, a question and an observation in my experience, and I just I want to hear your thoughts on this. But on both an annual basis and a long-term basis, there is considerable variation in habitat quality, especially presence of food. And so when one hunter calls in and says, Larry, you're out of your mind, I don't have any ducks, and you said we got bazillion, and then across, you know, maybe – 15 miles away, another hunter's going, man, I am covered up. Often that is, you know, at a, at a smaller scale reflected in variation in habitat quality. Do you see that when you're flying? Can you detect that when you're flying the surveys that you're looking down, man, there's a big concentration of birds. You mentioned Rockefeller, which is intensively and well-managed, um, some other places. Do you see that sort of variation? Yes. Um, it has to be big. For, for me to spot it from the plane, but when you get on the ground, in other words, I see a huge concentration of ducks on Rockefeller. Why? What's going on? I call Scooter Trosclair, who manages Rockefeller Refuge, and he said, because we've got the water below 10 inches. Well, right now in Louisiana, our marsh is way above, uh, the water levels are way above marsh level right now. Um, water levels are high. Um, they are not at levels conducive for uh, foraging for dabbling ducks. You know, once you get about a foot deep, most of our dabbling ducks can't reach the bottom, can't forage for seeds and, and those kinds of food resources in the sediment. And so where there was shallow water, um, you could see good numbers of ducks. We also have big issues with uh, invasive aquatics, Tom. And, and during the September survey, I was almost distracted by the big increase in water hyacinth and salvinia in, in some areas. And right next to my own hunting lease, the few thousand acres to the east of my own hunting lease, has been covered with invasive aquatics. Now, they sprayed late in the summer to kill that salvinia, but because all light transmission had been had been virtually eliminated during the growing season, they have no groceries out there. And because of that, there were no birds on that transect. And my hunting this weekend, my hunting on my lease that did not have salvinia was compromised by the fact that the large acreages next to me didn't have resources to support waterfowl. That's right. That's a really good point because I think hunters, you know, even if you happen to have a marsh pond that's loaded with aquatics and it's really good, if the vast majority of habitat around you, say within a, you know, foraging distance of a duck, 25 miles or so radius, if it's of poor quality, you're not going to have a critical mass of birds stay in that area to, to take hunting pressure. That's right. And, and that's a difficult thing for um, landowners and habitat managers to stomach sometimes because you will, you will have landowners out there doing, 
doing everything they can and investing their resources to maximize the, um, the habitat quality on their property. And unfortunately, in and of itself, that may not be sufficient. It, you know, just like the real estate market, you don't want to be the nicest house in a crappy neighborhood. Um, those are the kinds of things that, that can happen. And it's disconcerting for me to talk with a landowner that's, that's doing the work that's required to maintain excellent waterfowl habitat quality. And he's not seen the return on that investment because of the poor management or, or as, as the case is this year, we just had a, we've just had a crummy year for generating, uh, good waterfowl food resources on the very large scale with, with all of the high water. And so it's, what do you do? I think I've explained it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's important, I think, to, to discuss it because a lot of folks, let's just say you lease from one of the big land companies down there who do a pretty fair job of trying to manage marsh, but in, you get in a year like this, and sometimes, man, you, Mother Nature wins. Amen. And if it's a water level issue or a salinity influx issue or what I think is, is one of Louisiana's most significant issues in addition to, to coastal land loss is, man, those invasive exotics are a disaster for waterfall foraging habitat. And so if you got one of those kinds of issues on your hands, it's a it's a challenge, and it's hugely expensive, for instance, to eradicate invasive exotics. Exactly. I had a young man uh, back in August. We had a bunch of college students in, like 250 of them. Young man hunted east of the river in south Louisiana. Didn't tell me exactly where, somewhere in the Barataria, Barataria Terrebonne. And he said, right across the river, meaning east of the river, they got thousands and thousands of ducks. And he said, we don't have any. And I said, well, I don't know exactly where you hunt, but I'll bet you you're in that marsh that has been impaired over decades with salinity. And you don't have a lot of food. You flip over to the other side of the river, you know, east of Burris there, where fresh water still accesses the delta. And, man, it's duck food central. And lo and behold, ducks find it. Yeah. You know, they don't hang out if there's no food. They sample. If they don't find it, they got to move on. And that's kind of what I suspect that young man was seeing. I want to go back to your survey results here for just a minute, but I I want to remind folks that the survey was conducted um, last Monday and Tuesday, I believe, if I'm looking at this, and the coast was on November 4th through the 6th. They're actually Monday through Wednesday. Wednesday. Monday through Wednesday. And and I know from talking with you late last week that you were going to be you were up in the plane again last Friday, not associated with this survey, but associated with another research project that you're we're, we're collaborating on. Uh, did you in that short a time? And I realize you weren't on the same transect, but did you see anything uh, anything noteworthy during that particular uh, time in the air that would be worth sharing? I, I saw a few other concentrations of gadwalls in the um, in the the southern part of the survey area. Um, we were flying a, a, a set of marsh terraces, uh, evaluating waterfowl use of terrace sites versus controlled sites in the same area. And of course, terracing is a is a technique used to restore, um, you know, coastal wetlands. 
So we were primary, primarily in the very southern end of the uh, survey area. And I saw a, a couple more uh, concentrations of gadwalls. I saw a lot more blue wings. And so mostly what I saw confirmed uh, my survey. Um, I was just happy to see that there were there were groups of ducks in other places rather than, than just where I flew. But I didn't see anything markedly different um, than what I than what I saw on the survey. It's it's good that you mentioned uh, the marsh terracing work that you were uh, associated with. There, we had an episode on the podcast. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know exactly what number of the episode, which episode number it was, but we've already we had an earlier episode where we discussed that research. So hopefully that'll. Uh, folks will know a little bit more about that marsh terracing as you described it. And so the work that you were doing, those surveys, was a key part of the research that we've previously discussed on an earlier, earlier podcast. So it was a good reference there. Thank you. And and so now here we sit on November 11th. The survey was flown last uh, Monday through Wednesday, and we've had the opener of the duck season in Louisiana. And you you did get out, you, you mentioned. And so how what's your take have you heard anything from folks down there on on how the opener was the the feedback i'm getting is that it was okay <laughs> it was um my my hunting was not as good as it's it was much better than last year but not as good as it's been in the past and and i was lucky that there were still a, a lot of blue wings and fulvous whistling ducks and and you know that when you're hunting depends on blue wings and full of swiftling ducks, you are early in the migration. It was, it was extremely disconcerting to be an intermediate marsh in Southwest Louisiana. And I saw virtually no gadwalls, virtually none. We know from talking to a few other people up the flyway that, that birds are on the move. They're making their way down. And so we've had one cold snap. Actually, I guess the cold snap would have came through about the time y'all were going through the opener down there. And we have another cold front that is right on our doorstep. And it'll be pushing through here later today and should bring, in many cases, some record cold temperatures for this time of the year. Now, it's not going to stay very long. Uh, Long-term forecast shows temperatures are going to rebound uh, back to sort of seasonal temperatures uh, later this week and into next week. But uh, but hopefully this will give a, a bump to some of the southern latitudes in the terms of birds that are, that are showing up. At least that's our hope. Yeah. Um, one of the things about this November survey is that these results can be rendered moot overnight. Yeah, that's right. Um, with with a, a big frontal movement like this. And also, everyone needs to understand that we only flew coastal Louisiana and Catahoula Lake. Um, I have a number of reports from central and northeast Louisiana of good concentrations of birds. We counted 103,000 ducks on Catahoula Lake, which was at the long-term average. So coastal Louisiana was was 50% below long-term average, but Catahoula Lake was at the long-term average. And I've, I've heard from uh, a number of landowners that they have solid concentrations of ducks in that part of the state. The survey in Northeast Louisiana will be flown next week. And so we'll, we'll get an indication of the kind of birds that are the kind, the abundance of birds that are uh, using those habitats. And if, you know, if this uh, if this cold front 
moves birds into the state like we hope it will. Um, these results could be best torn up and thrown in the garbage can, Mike. And you will fly again when, Larry? Uh, we'll fly again in December. Um, in the coastal okay. coastal area, we'll fly in December. But we'll be flying northeast Louisiana uh, next week, northeast and northwest Louisiana. Those are cruise surveys. Um, but uh, but I have at least standardized the polygons that we fly on those surveys. We fly the same 30 polygons every time we fly that survey in northeast Louisiana. So the data are comparable between surveys and across years, but they are not representative of the habitat. They are not a random selection of habitats in northeast Louisiana the way the coastal transects are. So the numbers are comparable uh, from survey to survey, but they cannot be used to generate an estimate of the number of ducks using that region of the state. Well, with that, Larry, I think that's probably a good place for us to wrap this up. Uh, We will see in the future if we can get our schedules to align once again. Louisiana is one of the few states that actually conducts surveys over multiple months during the autumn and winter trying to uh, get a handle on bird uh, waterfowl abundance and distribution across the important habitats of your state. So I think we have December and January surveys still to come. And so we'll try to try to get back with you following uh, following those surveys. But I do want to thank you for taking the time to to join us today. Wish you the best of luck for the rest of the hunting season. And and also want to thank our in-studio guest here, Dr. Tom Mormon. So thanks to both of you for joining us, joining us. And we look forward to catching up with you again in the future. Thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate the opportunity. Once again, a very big thank you to our special guest today in studio, Dr. Tom Mormon. Thank him for his time and also joining us by way of phone, Larry Reynolds, Waterfowl Program Manager with Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fishery. We certainly appreciate the time that they were able to share with us today. We also thank our producer, Clay Baird, for his, uh, for his talents in, in getting, this, uh, getting this podcast out. And most importantly, we thank you, the listeners. We thank you for your time, for your commitment, and for your support of Wetlands and Waterfowl Conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.